Hello and thank you for listening to the Founders Speak, a podcast where we bring you exceptional startup founders from around the world who each share their inspiration, of course, but also a bag full of usable insights from their entrepreneurial journeys. So if you're an aspiring founder or busy fundraising or nearing a successful exit or even feeling like you might go down fighting, there's something useful in here for you. Each talk is hosted and recorded live with audiences at the Founders Speak stage at the world's largest fintech event, the Singapore Fintech Festival. My name is Naveen Suri and I'm your host. I'm a former banker turned entrepreneur and like all entrepreneurs, I have more than a few battle scars on my back, all of which I'm very proud of. Our next speaker is Michael Sharlov, co-founder and CEO of Fireblocks based in New York. In his talk titled, From Zero to Crypto, Building the Foundations of an Emerging Industry, he shares how back in 2018, he built a company from the ground up to now servicing over 1,600 clients globally with a team of 600 employees, all in just four years. Let's listen to Michael. I'm Michael Shalov, I'm the CEO and founder of Fireblocks. Uh, for those here who are not familiar with, uh, with Fireblocks, basically what we do, we provide an infrastructure and a platform for mostly financial institutions to work with crypto. So we provide all the wallet infrastructure and settlement and so on. I think like, you know, one of the reasons that people uh, invite me to talk about uh, our journey is that in a very short period of time, we kind of build a company f to go from uh, zero, you know, which was basically 2018, to servicing over uh, 1,600 clients right now globally, um, you know, about 200 billion $200 billion of transactions per month, uh, 600 employees, and the last the last valuation that we raised in in, uh, in back in uh, in uh, January this year was at eight billion dollars, right? So kind of. This kind of journey in four years is, is a pretty interesting journey. So, uh, but like, I think like, you know, it's always easy to talk about the, those journeys and only tell about the success. Uh, where actually like, you know, I think the most interesting parts in the entrepreneurial journeys are actually lie in the, in the failure. So how many people here in the audience are either entrepreneurs, want to be entrepreneurs, or managers uh, that want to basically pull really big things at work? Okay, so pretty much the right audience to hear this. So the, the interesting thing I think about uh, my journey, kind of sort of fast forward, is that about 20 years ago, I started in the Israeli Cyber Command, basically dealing with cybersecurity. And, and then about 11 years ago, I started my previous company. It was dealing with mobile security. It got acquired by a pretty big uh, company in the cybersecurity space called Checkpoint. And then after three years, I started Fireblocks in 2018. What People actually don't tell other people, and I think this is kind of like the dirty secret, is that similar to this kind of famous phrase of Tolstoy that, you know, all the uh, successful families look the same and all the poor families, they look very different. Um, in entrepreneurship, I think like, you know, all the failing startups and all the failing ideas, you know why they failed. All the successful startups, you actually don't know what made them exactly successful, right? And, um, but I think that like, you know, along the way, actually before I started my previous company, I had a lot of attempts to do startups and uh, which led to a lot of uh, failures. So I, you know, we had a business that uh, was trying to ship, uh, uh, when, I was, when, I was, uh, when I was in high school, we had a business that was trying to ship 
hook us to Europe. We had a, a business that was doing a distributed storage. We had a business that was trying to do um, a recommendation engine for fashion, kind of you know, somewhere between 2005 to 2011, and all of those things failed. And before I started my previous, uh, when I started my previous startup, and when the, the, the one that before that failed, I was trying to sort of like understand and analyze why we couldn't actually get those ideas into something that is meaningful, into something that actually was able to penetrate the market and actually solve people for, uh, solve like, you know, solve problems for people, raise capital, and all the things that you heard in the previous panels in terms of what you need to do as an entrepreneur. And one day when we were actually shutting down the previous company, a friend of mine called me and he told me like, you know, how's things going? I told him like, you know, it's not going very well. He told me, hey, did you read those, those books about uh, how to really build startups? And then he sent me, it was you know, 2011, he sent me a list of books. And the first book that I actually read over there was a book that is called Four Steps to Epiphany. It's, it's kind of like you know, a pretty famous book that I recommend everyone to read. But the idea about that book is that essentially it sort of teaches you a fairly detailed process on how you understand what the customer needs, what the idea that you need to bring the market, and how do you basically bootstrap that idea from a product standpoint until you get to this kind of really accurate product market fit, which solves the problem to the customer, that you understand how to market it, that you understand how you, um, uh, how you, how you start scaling from that point. And the core of that idea is a series of iterative steps that eventually helps you to identify a really clear pain point that, that, that the clients have and, and, and essentially like, you know, iterate until you sort of get a series of specific answers about uh, how you solve that problem. Now, in general, it sounds like, you know, pretty simple, but the main concept over there is that they actually dissect different startups into, four, into three different uh, markets. You can either start a startup in a non-existing market, you can start a startup by in, in an existing market, and you can start a startup by resegmenting a market. Um, each one of those markets actually have a very special characteristics in terms of how you need to basically activate and go through those processes. And I, th I think, like, unfortunately for me, I was always kind of chasing after ideas that are in new markets and in evolving markets, which was really the story about Fireblocks. So we, when we started Fireblocks in 2018, what basically brought me into understanding that there is an opportunity is that before that, I, I was really dealing with mostly cybersecurity. And we uh, sort of, uh, as, par as part of my, my previous position, we did an investigation on a breach that happened in South Korea, where uh, allegedly the North Koreans hacked, hacked four exchanges in South Korea. They stole $200 million of Bitcoin and basically run away with it. And that basically made me kind of understand that there are you know, basically two opportunities. One, that blockchain is going to be transformative rails for the financial system. And the second concept was that there was definitely like, you know, sort of lack of infrastructure. Now, similar to what was described in the, in the, in, in the previous uh, panel, when I sort of told my friends that we're going to pursue that idea, and that was already like, you know, sort of 
my second, uh, like I, I was already, you know, was perceived as a successful entrepreneur that already saw the previous company. Uh, most people told me that I'm crazy, that I'm going to waste the next couple of years of my life, and uh, that, like, you know, this idea has no merit. And uh, what really convinced us to, re to pursue that idea was actually following that process. So fairly quickly, we went into a, a fairly global market of participants that were operating in crypto in 2018, exchanges, market makers, over-the-counter desks, uh, fintech apps, and so on. And we started to talk with them to understand their pain points in terms of what was not working for them. And in that point in time, actually, the custody problem or the wallet problem was kind of like, you know, reasonably well understood. There were a bunch of companies that were doing that. Um, you know, mostly using things like cold storage, which is basically wallets that are not connected to the internet. And what we started to identify and, and hear in those conversations is that people actually had no issue with storing the asset. People had an issue with transacting with the assets, with moving it, with kind of like sort of extracting the full potential of what blockchain technology was supposed to, to bring to the market. So we really followed that process of having conversations with them creating, it wasn't even a prototype. We actually sort of created a, a deck that shows like mocks of the product. And we started to go to all those clients and ask them like, hey, if we will be able to solve this pain for, point for you that you can actually move those, you know, your, your assets, your digital assets from place to place without getting a, a heart attack or without losing all of it, would you buy our solution? And, you know, after 10, 15 of those conversations, we sort of start to understand that we're kind of getting like this really clear message of if you're going to solve it for us, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars, right? Or you know, euros, whatever the geography was. And that was basically the, the point in time where we say, okay, we, hear, we, we have here, we, we, we nailed something, we're going to build it, we're going to pursue that, although all of our friends thinking that it's like a really crazy idea. So we started working on that, and I don't know how many of you were following crypto in 2018, but it was a pretty bad, bad timing, right? So basically, when we started the company, Bitcoin was at $10,000. By the time that our product was ready, Bitcoin was at $3,500, right? Out of the 10 people that actually signed up to be our design partners and be our customers, six of them was out of business. So I was like calling them, uh, telling them, hey, the product is ready, can, you ca can, I ca can we come and install it and you guys can start using it? They were telling me like, listen, Michael, unfortunately, <laughs> there is no longer the operation over here and, uh, and you can uh, uh, like, you know, but, uh, and that was quite, quite painful. What really um, sort of uh, helped us during that point is kind of sticking to, I would say, first principles, right? So. What we understood at that point is that kind of believing in the, in the future of it and sort of driving through the dust until the market picked up for us in 2019. And out of those like 10 design partners, the four design partners that actually worked with us, when the market turned and when the market basically uh, moved into growing stage, those guys were at the top of the market. And when we launched, we basically had the design partners that was, were considered to be the most important players in the market. And from there, kind of the, the entire build and the entire motion was sort of downhill, right? So I think that like, you know, that if we 
coming back to a lot of the challenges that we are experiencing today in a very volatile environment, in a, in a market that is very uncertain, where it's very hard to raise funding, I think that people should basically understand that I think that if you really following through on the process, eventually you just need to stick to your guns. You need to basically drive pretty straight through the dust. And at some point, you know, the market will turn and, you know, there is a high probability that you can actually find yourself kind of at the top of the mountain, uh, being able to build all of that from a very powerful position. This is sort of our story, you know, in terms, in terms of how we managed to build what we build. And, you know, clearly looking forward, you know, we are in the inception of this industry. So looking forward to really build all the rails that, you know, most of the financial institutions will work on in the next decade or so. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Now, if you'd like to watch Michael's talk at the Founders Speak, simply visit Singapore Fintech Festival on YouTube. You're listening to the Founders Speak podcast where exceptional startup founders share untold stories from their journeys. We have lots more for you coming up next, so do stay with us.